What do you say about a furry little creature that was petite in stature, but had a lion's heart and an angel's soul? How do you describe the almost 11 years of happiness he filled our lives with daily? I mean, where do you start? Well, let's start at the beginning. Welcome to That's Life, I Swear. This podcast is about life's happenings in this world. Happenings that conjure up such words as intriguing, frightening, life-changing, inspiring, and more. I'm Rick Barron, your host. That said, here's the rest of this story. So full transparency here, this episode has been in the works since March of 2023. I tried to finish the episode, but I just couldn't get around to recording it. Now I can. It was February 6, 2023, and my wife and I were sitting in our family room. What happened next caught both of us off guard. It was something we just didn't see coming. However, I'm getting a little ahead of my story. Let's start at the beginning. It was August 12th of 2012 when I received a call from my wife. After saying hello, she wasted no time diving into the purpose of her call. So what do you think about adopting a kitty? Well, my response was, what? We already have two cats. While discussing the pros and cons, as a married man for almost 30 years, I've learned the foundations of a marriage, a happy marriage. And the golden rule was, a happy wife was a happy life. Knowing I wasn't going to win this argument, I waved the symbolic white flag. Now, as my wife explained the story, she visited our vet's office with our two cats for a nail trim, and it didn't take long when she was alerted to a new rescue kitten up for adoption. The office manager carried out this beautiful orange bundle of fur and introduced my wife to Ross. After 10 minutes of holding and petting Ross, she fell in love with him. When I arrived home, I saw the kitten my wife fell in love with. Ross was an orange tuxedo cat with a big fluffy tail, which I thought was bigger than him. As the story was explained to me that evening, my wife said that the vet's grandson found Ross, his siblings, and the mother cat behind a large dumpster. The young boy could see that Ross was in ill health. Seeing this, he wasted no time and quickly gathered Ross, his entire family, and brought them to his grandfather's office. The vet was able to determine an approximate date of birth for Ross. Turns out he was born around May of 2012. Now, how the vet figured that out was beyond me, but hey, he's the doctor. We've been going to our vet for over 35 years now, and he's treated our pets with visits dealing with required vaccines, emergencies, operations, and even when we had to put them down. I've always found him as your typical country doctor, whose bedside manner reflects years of experience dealing with all creatures, great and small. Our vet style is not that you're not a customer, but your family. He doesn't have you come in, do a quick analysis, and then gives you the bill. He actually and consistently gives you quality time with you and your pet. When Ross was brought in along with his siblings and, his, and the other kitties, it turned out that Ross was very dehydrated and lacking a lot of nourishment. The doctor said it was touch and go for a while and worried Ross would not make it. As it turned out, Ross was a fighter with a very strong heart. The day we brought Ross home, my wife and I took turns helping him adjust so that he learned his new environment. We showed him where the food dishes were located, the litter boxes, very important, and other things that he should know. We took turns sleeping with him in the guest bedroom so he would feel safe and knew that he had a new home. Now, I forgot to mention that Ross's mother and the other siblings were adopted. Turns out Ross was the last one to be adopted. 
The first couple of nights were hard to fall asleep with Ross, I must confess. His purring was very heavy and loud. Even more so in that he slept curled up to my face. That was all fine. But he had a habit of licking and nibbling my ear during the night. After three days, it was time for Ross to meet our two cats, Sydney and Abby. It took some time to adjust, but eventually all three cats got along. Now that said, Ross did love to tease Sydney, our great tabby. As Ross grew up, I took note of his habits, like sleeping on the perch in our front window every morning and sleeping on the bed pillow, so he felt like he was sleeping on a cloud, I guess. Another habit he had was how he ate. When he would eat his dry food, he took time to pick up one piece of dry food at a time and eat it outside the dish. His timing to eat was also like clockwork, especially in the evening. Around 5 or 6 p.m., he would march into the family room, turn around, and gently curl his big fluffy tail around his paws, telegraphing to us it was time for him to eat. And it's here where we make our entry point to what I shared with you earlier in the episode, the moment we didn't see coming. It was February 6, 2023, and like clockwork, Ross bounced into the family room and sat in front of us as usual during his ritual of letting you know he was ready to be fed. This time, when he turned around, we saw that he had a very severe nosebleed. Without hesitation, we packed Ross into his carrying bag and drove to our local vet emergency clinic. It was about two hours before we could speak to a vet to find out what was wrong with Ross. The vet explained to us that Ross had a nasal tumor. After hearing the various options to help him, all we heard in the end was that it was inevitable that Ross's time with us would not be long. We did what we could do to comfort him during our time with him. It just tore our hearts out watching him battle the nasal tumor, as his nose was stuffed with blood and tumor pressure was impacting his eyes and breathing. We could hear his nose making a very subtle nasal sound as he tried to breathe. The nasal tumor was causing him great difficulty to sleep. There were moments when Ross was standing up with his head bobbing downward, as if he was trying desperately to find a comfortable position to breathe. And I mean nothing was working to bring him comfort. Nothing. Our family vet did say that if Ross kept eating and drinking water, that was a good sign, but he would not prevent what was coming. Not eating and drinking water for days told us his time was ticking away. We had to make that painful decision to let him go, as he was never going to recover and his quality of life, what he had left of it, was eroding quickly. Eventually, we called our vet to bring Ross in to be put down. As our vet prepped Ross for his injection that would put him down, he checked his heart. I watched the doctor's face, and it told me everything. The doctor's face told me he could still feel the fight in Ross to hang on. It was then our vet looked at us and said, Ross still has a strong heart. Once the needle injection was completed, it didn't take long for Ross to pass. He was at peace now. He could finally sleep. We said goodbye to our dear Ross in the early morning of March 14th at 8.45 a.m. It was five weeks and one day from when Ross was taken to emergency and to the day we put him down. My wife and I didn't say a word as we drove home from the vet's office. We couldn't. But we both knew what each other was thinking as we drove home in the rain. That evening, both my wife and I cried. I looked around the house and saw all the places Ross had made his presence known. The front room window, sleeping on the bedroom pillows, 
playing with his favorite blue ball and other memorable moments. It's hard when you lose a family member or a good friend, but the ability and necessity to choose the moment of their death can feel absolutely overwhelming. Euthanasia, or assisted suicide, is rare and often illegal in human medicine, and yet it's a common end to the lives of our animals, relieving suffering of a terminal condition. The Greek meaning is good death, which to me sounds like an oxymoron. As I watched Ross being put down, I was fighting whether we were doing the right thing. Yes, we were, but it was hard. Damn hard. It was difficult to watch for me because I was anticipating the end. I know Ross knew he was loved, and we did our best. During the day, the pouring rain was joined by powerful winds. The power of the winds was so great that our electrical power went off around 1 p.m. I had a glass of scotch to try to ease my pain, but it did no good. Thinking back to the early morning after Ross had been given the injection, I couldn't help seeing his eyes somewhat open. I wasn't thinking rationally, as I thought maybe he might surprise us and wake up. Maybe this was just a bad dream. It wasn't. It was a harsh reality to swallow. I decided to take a nap while still fighting back the tears. We went through the night with no electrical power, but we were able to muster up some dinner, thank God, because we had a gas stove. During our dinner by candlelight, my wife and I shared fond memories of Ross. My wife commented that Ross probably caused the win as he had the heart of a lion and wanted the world to know he was leaving for heaven. (laughs) We both laughed. Small as he was, all 7.5 pounds of him, he was my anchor. He made me calm without really trying. He'd walk into a room, sit before you as he would circle his bushy tail around him and make you smile. Always. Our vet was very respectful in handling the final minutes with Ross. As the vet prepared to inject the solution, they would take our dear Ross to a final sleep. I could see the vet was holding back the tears. Here was a cat he had spent time saving and returning to a strong life. He helped our Ross initially come into this world and did the same in the end when he had to leave it. The following morning of Ross's passing, I went outside to pick up the morning paper. As I dusted off the paper and unfolded to read the local news, I happened to look up into the sky. There I saw a beautiful, bright crescent half-moon. And just to the upper right of the moon was a bright star. There were no other stars around. Silly as this may sound to you, in my heart, it was Ross telling me he made it to heaven. I know he was telling my wife and I thank you for loving him, and that life would move on, as it always does and must. I smiled. That's my boy, our cat with the iron heart. A week later, next to our peach tree, was a single tulip that just blossomed. Its color, yes, was orange. Apparently, Ross stopped by to say thank you again and left us something to keep in our garden. What can we learn from this story? What's the takeaway? Knowing you must decide to release your pet is difficult, while knowing nothing can be done to stop it. The odds are against you, period. I mean, it's like a broken egg that can't be unbroken. We didn't want to cheat Ross or us of more quality time if possible. 
Looking back, I doubted myself and the decision we had made. I felt I had failed. Several months have passed, and the gut-wrenching guilt I felt and deep sadness has lessened. While I have those moments remembering our orange tuxedo cat, feelings of guilt and shame still play in my head, but they're diminishing. I'm certain Ross knew he was beloved, and I know he loved us, too, with all his feline heart. I'll always think of Ross with love, and I will not focus on how he died, but rather on how he lived and all his magical, purr-filled, funky pod days. We'll miss you, Ross, and we love you. Well, there you go. That's life, I swear. For further information regarding the material covered in this episode, I invite you to visit my website, which you can find on either Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts for show notes calling out key pieces of content mentioned in the episode transcript. As always, I thank you for listening and your interest. Be sure to subscribe here or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. See you soon.